Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. What's up, nerds? This is Just a Couple of Arslings, the Last Kingdom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I'm Melissa Fixie. We are writers for Sci-Fi Wires fangirls who started recapping The Last Kingdom in Season 3, so we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcastlandia. It's Friday! We've made it's it through Friday. another week. We have made it through yeah. another bizarro week, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm starting to kind of like... Uh, lose it like I'm fraying at the ends mentally um, mm-hmm. because I'm considering we've talked about this I'm considering going to the beach this weekend and I just feel like it's a bad idea and I don't need to do it but also the like allure of vitamin D is just so strong <laughs> like the mm. pool is so strong right now <laughs> yeah a friend of mine's talking about um, getting a kiddie pool by the time Memorial Day or <laughs> Memorial Day rolls around and just like sitting on her driveway and drink some white claw in a kiddie pool and just Love it. get some get some outside total, time. Total white, total white <laughs> trash move. Uh, Listen, we do that all the you time. do what you got to do, man. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, maybe a kiddie pool is actually safer. I'm, I shouldn't, like, knock on your friend because, <laughs> I don't know. I've seen, I've seen the, rep- I've, like, seen the news reports from Florida, and I'm just like, I don't want to be those people. So, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. You live by a really beautiful beach, but I just. It's, I mean. I don't know, it's, man. T- it's tempting fate. I get it. Yeah. I think. If I don't go to the beach this weekend, I will go to Krispy Kreme and stuff my face with like a dozen donuts because there's only so many things I can resist. So if I can't have one thing, I need to treat myself with something else. I think a donut is a great idea or seven, you know, however however many. (laughs) Or a baker's dozen. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) I get it. Well, okay, guys, this is um, a really good episode and i think we should get into it one just because we're getting to the end of the season which is really sad but things are like things are starting to really build but also uh we have just finished reviewing a show that we will not name um but it is not the last kingdom and it makes us glad we're talking about a show that we like (laughs) a lot it makes us really appreciative of this show so um with that really kind of grateful mindset, let's get into this episode because a lot happened. A lot happens. But first of all, I have to ask, do all Welshmen wear red bathrobes at all times? Because I feel like mm. that's like the big signifier for a Welshman. All right. He's wearing a red bathrobe. That's a Welshman. Is that like, do they so. have like I a guess. country uniform or what? Or is it just like, you know, the guys who are in with the king, they all got to dress the same. Yeah, it's like, you know, like Jordan with the Bulls. Like, you you mm. know that jersey. And so it's like, okay, he's a it's Bulls the Welsh. That, yeah. That's the Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's only so many like identifying markers back in that time, I guess. It's like yeah. the dirtbag haircut. Yes. Um, the, the beadwork in your beard. And then the red bathroom. The red bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> you belong to one team. Right. <laughs> Pick your fighter. Right. 
The Danes are raising hell in Wales, man. They are mm. not holding back. Brita is like, Brita is clearly a woman on the edge at this point because she's, yep. you know, she's always been pretty ruthless, but like she's axing women and children now without even flinching. So I think yeah, Brita I- has definitely reached the end of her tether at this point. Yeah. She is, like, pillaging the hell out of Wales. And mm-hmm. w- normally, like, I would be, like, all for it. Um, but it's just, like, I can't help but feel bad for these poor villagers. I mean, they didn't do anything, you know? It's like, right. I know we're reaching Valhalla, but at what cost? Like, yeah. I don't know. I, there's there's something definitely wrong with Brita. I don't think maybe she, even she knows. But she's on this path of revenge, and she's kind of taking her anger out on whoever is closest And she really wants to head south and invade Wessex um, to kind of defend her honor and Canute's honor and and everything that happened. And then also to kind of get revenge on Uhtred. It's a lot of it's a lot of angst that's built up in her. I love angry women. I think anger gets shit done. But sometimes I think you can let your anger, you know, drive you into dark places that you don't really need to go. And I feel like that's where Brita is headed. And it makes me sad. Right. You want to, you know, use your anger as a motivator. Let me rephrase that. Use your anger as a motivator, but it's really sort of taken over her completely. So she doesn't really know where she ends and the anger begins anymore. Um, But yeah, so she's, you know, she's trying to get Sigtrigger to head south. And he's like, I just got here and we're tired and we're hungry. So we're going to hang out in this place where we've got food and we can pillage all we want, and it's a pretty sweet deal up here, so I'm not really going to join you in your crusade just yet, lady I barely know. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> my uncle hooked up with you and, like, knocked you up, but we're right. not family. And, right. We don't know um, each other like, like that. Yeah. Yeah, come on now. Uh, yeah, I really, honestly, this entire episode, I, I had a lot of respect for Sick Trigger just because, you know, I think— he is he's a young Viking warlord, but he's so measured and so thoughtful when it comes to his men and the next mm-hmm. steps he's going to take. And I don't think, you know, we've seen that from a lot of the kind of Danish quote unquote, villains that we've been given. I don't know if he's a villain, but it kind of feels like he's being set up opposite Uhtred. Um, but the two share like a lot of a lot of really good qualities and traits. And yeah, I I. I really like that he said no to Brita. I just feel like that's a hard thing to do because she is such a strong woman. She's like over here using, you know, the the Welsh king's brother as her like personal lapdog. And, you know, I'd be afraid to stand up to her. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely a formidable woman. Um, Speaking of formidable women, we got to talk about Athelflaed. Um, she's, you know, she's sticking close to Elfwyn as she recovers because she's super thrilled that her daughter is still alive, obviously. What she's not super thrilled about is Uhtred being chosen to be the interim Lord of Mercia. Like, Mm -hmm. I get it. She's upset, but I, I don't know. It's one of those things where I think that Athelflaed should have obviously been the first choice because she knows Mercia and she knows the people. But the way that she like so quickly turned on Uhtred and assumed that he wouldn't do the right thing was kind of a bummer. Mm, Agreed. Here's my other problem with this is, um, you know, when they're having this conversation, we we first 
get back to Aylesburg and they're having this conversation. She's saying Mercia needs a considered and diplomatic leader and like totally true. No one has ever used those words to describe Udrid. Right. Um, but her her whole thing about, you know, we need someone who's not going to be under the thumb of Edward, who doesn't have any connections to Wessex. And it's like Ethelfled, girl, like you when has Edward's Uhtred sister. Ever, right. When has Uhtred ever been under the thumb of anybody, really? I mean, Exactly. Really. That's why he gets in trouble all the time, because he won't right. follow orders. Okay? Right. Also, you know, I, I I think we all know that Ethelfled would not be swayed by Edward to do anything that wasn't in Mercia's best interest. Definitely But not. if you look at it from, you know, maybe the people's point of view or the elderman's point of view, it's like, that's Alfred's daughter, that's Edward, Edward's sister— that's still a pretty close link to Wessex. You know what I mean? It's not like she's a completely independent ruler who doesn't have any connections there. And I think I would really appreciate this kind of conflict between Uhtred and Ethelfled if Ethelfled would just come out and say, I think I can lead Mercia best. That's why I'm upset. Because, like, this whole, like, Mercia needs a ruler, but there's no one around, but it can't be you, Uhtred, that's what's, like, bothering me for some reason is because there's no... There's no other option she's presenting. Just present yourself. Like, I I don't think know. she can. Like, you know, I think, you know, she has that. I can't remember if it was this episode or another episode or if it was the last time, the last episode. Oh, no. It is later in this episode when Aleswith you know, basically yeah. talks to her and it's like, yeah, it sucks to be a woman where you kind of have to stand by and let these, what she says, describe men as making, blithely making foolish decisions so, I mean, as much as, like, in our modern context, we would love to see Athelflaed advocate for herself, she can't. So I think she kind of has to dance around that and be like, well, it can't be anybody else and it can't be you. I need you guys to recognize that it should be me because you're men and you make these decisions and that's how it works. Um but yeah, she basically calls Uhtred a tyrant, which I really didn't love because that's not the Uhtred that we've known and loved for four seasons. But, yeah, you know, he tells her that, like, this is the best that they can do right now and that he did it for her. And he's so committed to, like, keeping her safe and keeping his family safe um, that he agrees to do another baptism, like, mm. he, you know, Uhtred, who has, you know, struggled against the Christian God for how long, is like, all right, fine, I've already done this twice, and it was bullshit both times, but I guess I'll do it a third time, because that's what I need to do right now. Third time's the charm. Right. Yeah, it, all of this reminds me, like, I will never have a man who reluctantly rules a whole kingdom for me. Like, Uhtred really is doing the best he can right now. Um and I think, like, if anything, this whole baptism thing should have proven to Ethelfled that, like, he was all in because he, she knows he thinks it's all bullshit. Um, but, yeah, he, he's got to get baptized. The elderman want proof that he's Christian. So, you know, we've got to take a public bath for their entertainment, I guess. These rituals are so sketch. I don't, I don't get them. <laughs> With his long, like, flowing white robe, he looks like he's about to preach in a megachurch. It's an odd look when right? you're used to seeing him in, like, his leathers. You're like, like, oh. The Joel Osteen oh, no, of, like, what is happening? <laughs> I mean, he looks, he looks good. I'm not going to lie. I would like to see him in more white. But, like, he looks good because he's a handsome man. Nothing sure. about this situation is helping that. But it's just, sure. you know, the underlying beauty shines through <laughs> despite yeah, the circumstances. It, 
it's such a it's such a weird thing. I can't even appreciate you know the whole like nude scene. Like you know, of course he looks great. Utrecht, good job working out in the gym. Mm-hmm. But like everyone is watching him just like get naked and get dunked, and like it's like the weirdest carnival dunking booth you will ever like experience. I don't get it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, another thing that kind of goes on with um, Athelflaed around this point in the episode is she has like that moment with Edith um, where she talks mm. about, you know, I know that you were the one who kept Elfwin alive and she sort of expresses her gratitude. And they have such an odd dynamic throughout the whole episode. I was really like fascinated by it because, you know, I think, you know, you can tell that they're both too like independent and, you know, I don't really know the right word. I can't say powerful because Edith doesn't have any powerful, but I guess like inner power. Um, Mm -hmm. They're both these two women who I think were circumstances different. They would be extremely close, but also like, you know, Athelflaed's going to be a queen. Edith used to fuck her husband and it was really bad. So it's, they're, they're never going to be tight, but I, whenever they interacted, I wished for a different life for both of them because I felt like they really could have been allies. Yeah. And I think we say that later in the episode and we'll like, we'll get to that because they're, right. that scene really, uh, that scene really bothered me. Um, towards the end of the episode. Yeah, they had a couple of interactions and they're just like, you can see them both like regarding each other being like, I think, you know, if life had been different, we could have been, you know, great allies to one another. But that is not how the cookie crumbles. You know what? Ninth century, it was hard to make female friendships back then. It's, you it's know? hard like, now and it was hard then. It's hard now. Speaking of friendship, I think, you know, while we're still in Aylesburg, um, it's a good time to to stick with the Cookham crew who are celebrating mm. Uhtred's lordship. Drunk um, as hell. The, the only way they know how, getting white girl <laughs> wasted and telling barmaids they're the king's new advisors. Right. Um, poor Osforth is such a lightweight and is not Ugh. made for this kind of marathon revelry. You think, you know, <laughs> he's been with them for a while now. You would think he would have built up more of an alcohol tolerance, but that is not his... It is not his DNA. Not he his, will not never be able. He will never be able to party as hard as Finnan. Um, yeah, you know who can keep up though. Steora. Is Steora. <laughs> yes. That's our Respect that's our party girl. That. I love it. Yeah, yeah, she's like, you know, she's in that like she just got to college phase and she's just ready to try anything. And yeah. that means you know like the PB like drink in the bathtub that's oh god probably not good for you avoid um, pbr and you know jungle juice diora jungle juice. It all too hard Stiora. too fast um <laughs> yeah i you know i really loved the con like the contrast between Stiora and young utrid in this episode because like mm-hmm. she's out partying she wants to be her own woman and the whole episode young utrid is like fretting because he's upset that his father isn't sincere about accepting god into his heart and he just, you know, he's sort of tortured by that. And Stiora is, you know, she's just, she's ready to live her own life. You know, mm-hmm. young Utrid is looking for sort of the structure, I think, and the order that comes from being a member of the church. And Stiora is not at all interested in anything like that. Um, yeah. And I know it makes it so much easier, like, to know which, um, you know, 
sibling I would want to hang out with. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, you know, you invite Stiora to the party. You invite Young Utre to teach Sunday school. It's just different strengths. (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I do do like that kind of um, that juxtaposition that they have. And it's just also a really interesting reminder that, like, this this family could have looked so different if things yeah. had gone differently. You know what I mean? So yeah, while all that's happening um, in Aylesburg, uh, you know, we kind of flit. I think this episode it it's mainly between Wales and what's happening in Aylesburg, and mm-hmm. um, you know, Uhtred is kind of struggling with his decision, but still going along with it. Um, and then you know, up in Wales, Brita wants to go south. Sigtrigger not about that um so she is kind of like well you know what i'll go find allies in the north um and they'll help me invade wessex and take their treasure and all this different stuff and um sick trigger is like cool you can you know you can have some men she's like give me 10 he's like how about five (laughs) um i like i just like seeing him like kind of stand up to her and challenge her, I think, in a way that, you know, she hasn't been challenged like that, I don't think, since Ragnar. Like, no. I think, you know, Knut, she was able to really manipulate and um, walk all over in a sense. And so, yeah. It's, she needs it's, somebody that can nice. push back if she's going to get the, you know, she's going to get what she wants done without completely burning out. She needs somebody on her team who's going to be like, all right, we're going to do it eventually but we need to like (laughs) right um yeah so they're trying to figure everything out and you know it's kind of crazy i mean it's not crazy it's kind of telling um, like how quickly edward immediately leaps on utrecht and is like all right you're baptized Mm -hmm. now we're going to talk about exactly how this is all going to go down and how you are going to be basically my lapdog in mercia and, you know, he says, you know, Wessex has no desire to influence Mercia, but it's all super bullshit. And Uhtred, I think he he reads that Edward is never going to, you know, let him rule in a way that isn't completely being a puppet. Um, yeah, yeah and so for sure. Uhtred, yeah, so Uhtred, you know, his first act as Lord of Mercia after he's you know, on his little throne is to relinquish the throne to Athelflaed, which is quite a move. Yeah, I, you know, we had that scene with Edward, you know, telling Uhtred what he wants to be done. Like the, the, the hair isn't even dry from the bath. And, and then we see Ailes with, you know, trying to reason with Athelflaed. She's, she's actually for Uhtred, you know, being Lord and Protector of Mercia, which like how, you know, the tables have turned. Right? Aylesworth? Um, what? Come on. Um, what is this show doing? <laughs> like, it's making me question everything. I know, um, I love it. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Ethelfoot kind of tells her she's worried, you know, Edward will have too much influence. She's totally right about that. Um, and Aylesworth reminds her, you know, this is our lot in life as women. And, you know, Ethelfoot is is a feminist at heart, so she's not about that patriarchal bullshit. Um, and she's lucky, you know, she is really lucky um, to have someone like Uhtred because he he is named Lord and Protector um, by the Eldermen. And, yeah, his first decision, his first act is to, you know, relinquish that and suggest that Ethelflaed, you know, be um, in charge of Mercia because she has its best interests at heart. She's been there for a while. She will not let Edward walk all over her. 
And I think it's just like, again, it just reminds me that I know the Saxons like to think that they're, you know, the progressive, like we are, we are God's people and we um, are moving, you know, civilization forward and everything like that. But it's like so many times I've seen like this, the Danish culture kind of exhibit like these attitudes towards equality, especially for women, that it's just like the Saxons are so behind on. And you see that in this episode because it's nothing for Uhtred to be like, yeah, Ethelflaed should lead. Um, And then all of a sudden, all these old white men are just like, but she's a woman with lady parts. Right. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a lot of hubbub after Uhtred makes that announcement because they're worried, oh, well, if she ever gets married, her husband will take the throne and we don't know what kind of, you know, D-bag that guy will be. So there's a lot of (laughs) fear of, oh, well, she can't rule it forever. So who's going to be the husband who marries her? So that's an outside threat that we can't really, you know, take into account. And and then, you know, someone brings up that it's not a rule that a woman doesn't take the throne. It's a preference. Um, Mm -hmm. And Athelflaed sort of sees that as her moment where she's like, all right, cool. If I can be Lady of Mercia, I will take a vow of chastity. Never get laid. Never get married. It's going to be a bummer, but I'll do it. Um, And yeah, the witness witness is on board and Edward is pissed. Yeah, so so pissed. Here's my thing, though. Could we have not, like, amended this promise to, like, something like, I won't get married, so that she could still have her hookups with Uhtred on the side? There's always that fear of a kid, though. They don't have reliable birth control, so if she's hooking up with Uhtred and they have a kid, then that's an heir, especially if it's a boy. And, you know, uh, you're right. You know, if they had condoms in the pill, maybe things could be different. But are there any kind of ninth century condoms out there? No, they pull out and that's it. It's not a good system. (laughs) So, you know, she's sort of a precursor for old uh, Queen Elizabeth in that way. And it's it's how she it's how she, you know, gets her throne. But it's a shame. Um, but yeah, so Edward's super angry and decides that the best way to handle this news that his sister is going to be Lady of Mercia is that he should, you know, just sort of take his guards and assemble them around Mm. the city and not totally occupy Aylesburg, but not not occupy Aylesburg. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, these Saxon men are, like, hella petty. Like, he is just, like, as soon as he doesn't get his way, he's like, you know what? Let's station some more guards at the gate and, um, yeah, like, make a grab for power and really intimidate my sister and scare Uhtred into thinking that maybe I'll have her killed. I mean, it's just, like, the escalation. I love that Finn Yeah, I love that Finn was, like, drunk off his ass and he still sort of saw things moving and was like, hmm... This is bad. <laughs> this is not what should be happening right now. So we need to sober up real quick. Um, but yeah. yeah, Edward Edward does not handle being told another way very well at all. No. And I think, you know, so uh, Finnan alerts uh, Uhtred to what's happening. And mm-hmm. both Uhtred and Eldhelm are like, 
you know, we need to get you out of here, Ethelflaed. Like, it's it's not looking good. Let's just go somewhere safe until maybe all of this tension has died down a little bit. And she is rightly like, no, I was just made Lady of Mercia. My first act is not going to be to Run leave away. Mercia. Um, she's She's got this, like, patience, I think, that um, none of the men around her have. And I think... It, it's what makes her such a good choice to be a ruler because she's willing to wait things out a little bit. And I think sometimes that annoys me about her because there are situations where, you know, Uhtred is correct and we should get the hell out of Dodge, but this isn't one of them. And she's a lot like her dad. She's so much like Alfred. Yeah. And she's like, we can we can sit and wait, we can eat and wait, we can sleep and wait, but we're going to fucking wait. And yeah. Yeah, Uhtred leaves Finn to kind of babysit her while he goes and, and um, kind of rallies the, the fjords and, and tries to give her some, a little bit of muscle with which to, like, negotiate. without. I, she didn't ask for that, though, so it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. Once again, we're doing things without, like, consulting, and now she's in a position of power. Like, maybe, like run things by her i don't know mm. that that kind of was like oh this could have made it like a lot worse actually yeah i think without athelflaed's you know presence of mind i think that utrid bringing the fjords to fight um edward's men could have potentially escalated into a really bloody battle which on top of the mm-hmm. whole plague thing would have been pretty devastating for aylesburg um, but yeah, so he's out raising the fjords. It's a lot. And, um, <laughs> Brita, you know, Brita left Sig Trigger's place. Well, Sig Trigger's stolen place. And, um, she runs into our old enemy, Eardwolf. Uh, this dude's still alive. So sick of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a little bit, you know, worse for wear, but he's, you know, up in the Welsh woods and, um, he 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 claims he was coming to see her actually because mm. he wanted to negotiate with her. Um, you know he he reveals this information that you know Edward is still in Mercia and his whole army is there now. So Wessex is like free for the taking. And Very vulnerable. Should go do that. Yeah. Um, and of course, this is what Brita wants to hear. So it's like, okay, great. I'm going to take this back to Sig Trigger. Uh, you'll come with me. I'll keep you alive. I don't know why we're keeping him alive because it seems like that's the only information that he has. That that's the useful. thing. Like wh- they got what they needed. Why keep him alive? But I guess that was you know plot. Maybe. I don't plot. know <laughs> plot armor for Eardwolf. But um, yeah, like she, I think she asks Sig Trigger at the right time though because. Mm-hmm. You know, Howl, the Welsh king, returns and he sees how terribly his people have suffered in his absence while he was off on his yoga retreat. Um, and yeah, <laughs> his army faces off against Sigtrigger and they get their ass beat. So Sigtrigger is kind of riding that victory high. Um, and when Brita comes to him and is like, hey, it would be pretty easy to take Wessex right now and it would be great. And also it would really hurt the Saxons and be really great. And he's like, all right, I like your plan. Let's do it. So they're heading to Wessex, and it's going to be real bad. 
It makes sense from his point of view, I think, because it was so easy to defeat, like, the Welsh, I think. Yeah. You know, they come back from their spa, and their skin is soft, they're soft, and... They're, they're soft, caught, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're caught in, in this field, and he's got, he, you know, uses a bit of genius to um, trap them with fire and arrows. It's so, again, it's so like what a young Uhtred would have done, and yeah. I hope these two become allies and not enemies, because I really like this dude, but... Yeah, I, 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 you know, see, I see why he would be like, sure, whatever. I mean, we've done this, so I guess it's not going to be that hard. And what, it's, like it's, it's hard? not going to be good for Wessex. <laughs> what? Like, it's hard to, like, yeah. invade a country and take over? Right. Yeah. He's trying um, to go to Harvard Law School. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he is the Elwoods of the of ninth the century yes. England. <laughs> um, yeah, so, what, you know, while they're kind of rallying the troops, getting hype, um, you know, things in Aylesburg are coming to a head. Um, I think first we have to talk about, you know, young Utre decides to go back to Wessex. Yeah. He's had enough of this beatnik life. Um, he wants <laughs> He's to go right back on to the, the road. Monastery. He wasn't impressed. He wants to go <laughs> back to impressed. reading the Bible. It's just one long book about someone hitching a ride. Like, right. it's He's nothing over it. special. He's over um, it. <laughs> yeah, and he needs some distance <laughs> from his dad, I think. Um, and Stiora, you know, wants to go with him because she has a life to live, damn it. Um, but I think... You know, but also, Uhtred, where was she gonna go? Like that was the thing. Girl? Like, but she's you know, for you. She's, she's what fifteen? She's young. Come she didn't on. think things through. But like, if she'd yeah. gone with young Utrecht, her option would have been like a nunnery, and I think he knows that. So he was like, "Right, mm, you're gonna stay no, here and sis. help Dad. <laughs> you won't like this." Um, yeah. I was, well, I, I was, think. Go ahead. I was a, I was a little sad that young Utrecht left without saying anything to his dad. You know, like, oh, I felt like they had, painful. you know, they had, you know, they had made some strides in their relationship. And then it was just kind of like, actually, I don't think we can really communicate. I'm just going to go. And that was pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, I think it really hit Uhtred hard, too. And I think, yeah. obviously, this isn't, this can't be the last time we see them interact this season. No. Um, but it just, I don't know. I think, again, we've said it so many times, you know, this this life that they live is so precarious and you don't know what's going to happen day to day. And I just don't know if I'd feel good about leaving things that way with my dad. Even even right? if we had a strained relationship um, like they have, it just feels like it was kind of on the mend. And it's just such a weird way to leave. And it's also like, uh, you know, at, at one point I was like, if Stewart goes with him, is she going to tell Uhtred? Because like, Dang, that's harsh if both kids just, like, peace out on Dad while he's, like, you know, dealing with this coup in Mercia. Well, I guess I guess young Uhtred is more like his dad than he would like to admit, and he doesn't want to deal with the messier aspects of relationships all the time. He's not He's not too good at goodbyes. That's, he's, that's uh, all it is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's, you know, he leaves for Wessex. Ails with uh, has Ailswith, a really great moment. Man. Coming like, through, she's so clutch. She's like I that I think honestly, my regard for Ailswith and how it has completely changed is probably my biggest surprise and one of my favorite mm. things about this season. Like you can yeah. still see like the venom coming through sometimes, but like. 
the way that she's just adjusted and been like, all right, I'm a widow now. I have to do things differently if I'm going to maintain any power has been so fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, she's but evolved. Yeah, she's grown. Yeah, she has. And she, you know, she sort of uses her influence to convince, you know, Edward to trust Athelflaed and how she really is the best option. Um, but it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a, a lengthy process. Like he's not completely on board at once. He's got to go like put on his hoodie and check out the fjords and be like, oh, I don't want to fight that. He's got a brood. He's yeah. got a brood He's got an emo a little moment. bit. Um, but yeah, you know, eventually he really does come around to Athelflaed, you know, being leader in Mercia. And I think Athelflaed is smart to put her foot down and be like, okay, but I am for Mercia, not for Wessex. But, you know, these women in his life really, you know, they sort of convince him that this is a way to sort of Bring about his father's vision, maybe not exactly like Edward or like Alfred wanted, but it's a step in the right direction. Right. It's a it's a big step and one that hasn't been taken in a while. I think we've been kind of just like, you know, sitting stagnant in this whole dream of United England because of different invasions and different kings and all of that different stuff. And so. Um, yeah, this feels like an opportunity to make some moves. And I think Edward eventually realizes that and, and Aylesworth, you know, kind of ends that chat by suggesting that she take Ethelstan, um, away to, to raise him in safety because it's not going to mm-hmm. be good for him to go back to Wessex, no. um, or to really even stay there. And, you know, this assures that he'll have, he'll have two heirs, you know, it's like you, you always want an heir in the spare and heir in the spare. Um, it's a smart move on her part because again, it's, it's, I think she is genuinely invested in this kid and, and she cares for him. Um, it's also like such a good power move because yeah. she's going to have influence on this boy who could grow up one day to be king. It's her becoming indispensable again, you know? Right, like exactly. She's, like I said, like, she has found a way to hang on to her power by pivoting. Adapt and survive, man. That's yes, girl. like, whole motto. Um, yeah, I love it. And, um, you know, so it feels like things are kind of closing and, and they're, you know, we're, we're resolving some things. It's pretty sad, you know, with Uhtred and Ethelfled because mm-hmm. he's like, you know, I, I will always answer Mercia's call when you're on the throne, but I've got to go back to Kokum because I can't handle seeing you every day and not being able to be with you. Um, Devastating. Is, oh my God. Rip my heart out, throw it in the dirt, stomp all over it. Like, right. And during corn times, no less. Uh, like too sad. I'm too fragile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. built for this right now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but they yeah, have their little goodbye. It Ugh. was sad. And, like, you know, she tells him, she's like, like, this is an oath that I had to make. And, you know, they make mm-hmm. out one more time. But it's. Sure. It was so beautiful in the beginning. But, man, that burnt <laughs> out. We knew it, though. We called it. Like, I know. And we milked it for all it was worth. I Same know. with the Cookham crew. I think they're, like, drinking away their sorrows at the ale house. What a um, mood. <laughs> it's just, like, that's, I mean, that's the Finn best way to. Finn does not want to hear about the gift of friendship right now. He just lost right a lot of money. So, yeah. yeah a lot of money, a lot of free drinks. <laughs> like, right. He liked being it. the king's advisor for a minute. Um, but second. also, yeah, but also before we, like, wrap up this section, we need to talk about sure. um, Athelflaed and Edith. Too. Like, that yes. was such, that was the most I've ever seen her act like Alfred before when she, like, 
thanks Edith. She gives her her money. She's like, thanks for keeping her safe. Thanks for all that. But also, you fucked my husband. Your brother's a traitor. I cannot keep you here no matter how much Aelfwyn likes you. So you've got to go. I don't care like what you do. If you let me handle it, you're going to a nunnery. But you can handle it yourself if you want to. But you can't stay in Aylesburg. And like, yeah, I, I get it. But like, that was pretty cold. No. I fucking hated this part, okay? <laughs> because here, and here's the thing. I have very strong feelings on this. Okay, please share um, them. Here's the thing. I, you know, I know that we, and again, I think we're a little bit biased because we've been with Edith all season and we've seen the shit that she's had to go through and Ethelflaed doesn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ethelflaed should recognize, you know, that she's probably been through it because she's a woman. And mm-hmm. I think we have spent this whole episode fighting back against this kind of inherited misogyny and all of these systems that are built to press women down. Like we've had Aylesworth and Ethelflaed having conversations about it. We've seen Ethelflaed have to kind of like bend over backwards just to get some power that she rightly deserved. Mm-hmm. And to then have her like in one of her first kind of acts as, you know, Lady of Mercia to kind of mold herself to fit right back into those systems by saying, you know what, you slept with my husband. It would make me look weak. You got to go. It's like, come on, Edith deserves better. You deserve better. Just do better. Like, yeah, yeah. Be the change. Be the <laughs> I don't change. know. Yeah. My feminist tonches were riled. <laughs> in this I scene. understand. I did not like it. <laughs> I understand. And, but it does, you know, give Edith some more time to hang with the cook em crew. Cook em crew. So yeah. everybody could, everybody needs a good cook em crew hang. <laughs> It's a bomb for the do. soul. They're really, they're really good for her. And I have to say, we have to uh, address that look between her and Finnan. I know. I saw that, too. At the end of this episode. Okay. The sparks were real. Like, Flying. I, I, I mean, just everywhere. Like, like I, I just, I feel like with how good Mark Rowley is doing with the emotional scenes with Uhtred, I think he could really crush a romance plot. And I want mm-hmm. to see yeah. it so bad he deserves it he, he's he does. suffered enough um and now he should get his little like you know soft emotional arc with edith and i would really Please. like to see that be explored Please. next season um yes yeah yeah as if the thirst for finnan isn't like great enough already <laughs> right add, ro- add romantic hero to the list great can't wait i don't can't wait i mean honestly like can we handle it i don't know i think <laughs> We need to maybe we not, need like but a I'm, I'm, to prepare ourselves. I'm willing to take that risk, though. I'm willing <laughs> to take that risk. But yeah, all so right. they all head out, and Sig Trigger's coming, and it's this was kind of like a about to go down. Yeah, bad stuff's about to happen, man. It's about to happen. Yeah. Woo! I'm excited. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
It's time for our next episode, Wishes. This is when we issue our demands for upcoming episodes, like the spoiled toddlers that we are. Here's what we want to see, when we want to see it, and why we won't be denied. Alyssa, what do you think is going to happen in these next couple episodes? Well, you know, we've discussed this a lot this episode, but I'm really curious to see Athelflaed adapt to her new role. Um, You know, she's been Mercia's unofficial ruler for a while now, so now that she doesn't have to deal with, like, a pesky husband anymore— I'm really interested in seeing this new side of her. Like this episode, you know, she's definitely got major shades of Alfred going on. You know, choosing Mm. kingdom over personal life, sending Edith away for appearances, no matter her loyalty. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that will shake out in ways good and bad because that's how it always happened for Alfred as well. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm definitely excited to see this like new phase in her for better or for worse. But, like, yeah. seriously, what is Uhtred going to do now? Like, can Athelflaed give him the men to take back Bebenberg? Like, what is his cousin up to? Like, I feel like we haven't really touched back on that in a couple episodes. And we got so close. And so I kind of want to, you know, revisit that. But he seems determined to head back to Cookham. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he seems like he, he wants to go lick his wounds. Totally get it. Yeah. Um, but that is an interesting point. It does feel like. Again, it feels like we started this episode or this season with him pursuing a goal that he had been kind of putting off for a very long time. And Mm -hmm. now it feels like we're kind of right back in that, like, oh, we're kind of in the wind. Like, fate will decide, I guess, because um, he doesn't have a a place that he really belongs. And so... Which has been Uhtred's thing for so long. Like, he got so close to having a home, but now he just needs to go, like... Listen to Silver Springs on repeat for a while and really feel oh. <laughs> feel the losses that he has suffered. Fetch fetch the bolt cutters and oh, put on a Fiona yes. Apple. <laughs> Stevie um, Nicks and Fiona Apple will help him through on. this. Um, yeah, I I I think you know with things kind of somewhat settled in Mercia, I guess we need to start prepping for another Danish invasion invasion sure. of Wessex. Yeah, um, you know Britain's never going to catch a break. I think. They, it's so weird to me. I, I wish Wessex was like a a city made of gold, so I could understand why these like Vikings are so intent on taking it. I, I get mm-hmm. like the political advantage and and where it's situated, and I, I like I understand that, but I just need a visual of like how valuable it really is. Yeah. Um, I I think, you know, I'm excited to see how Uthafled handles ruling Mercia. I think she'll be dope. Um, I think Edward's probably going to have his hands full with Sigtricker and, and Brita especially mm. um, because she seems very determined to get her revenge. And honestly, I'm really nervous to see Brita and Uhtred face off. Not That's only fair. because, like, I don't... I don't like to see these characters at odds because they just have such a history and and they had so much affection for each other. I know Uhtred still has affection for her, but also because I don't know what the outcome would be. Like it's it it's a lose lose, you know, either way. And um, Brita is a real threat. I think, especially when she's angry the way she is now. Yeah, um, she kind of like loses any compassion or empathy and and. Yeah, she can go to a really dark place, and I don't want to see that directed at Uhtred, so. Now, The Last Kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters, and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our arsling of the episode is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. So, Jessica, who is your arsling in this episode? 
I mean, it's got to be a sick trigger for me. Like, he has such a flair for the dramatics in battle, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah. I, I'm going off this theory that he was probably a theater kid growing up. <laughs> um, and yeah. uh, it's paying off big time um, in these fight sequences. Also, he's surprisingly kind of measured and collected when it comes to the welfare of his men. He puts that above everything. Um, and he realizes that, you know, to really fight for something, you have to believe in it. And, you know, Brita's need for revenge is not enough to risk men's lives for um, or to ask them to risk their own lives for. So he's smart. And I don't think we've seen too many Viking warlords that are. Um, so, yeah, I think in a lot of ways he reminds me of a young Uhtred, and I'm not mad at it. Again, I hope these two can be friends because if they face off on the battlefield, I'm, I'll be sad to see Citrigger go. <laughs> yeah. I'm going with Uhtred in this episode because I just feel like the Uhtred of season four is such an evolved creature from the man we started out with. Like, he's making yes. all of these decisions based on other people not what suits him in the moment. Like, get baptized so your family will be safe? Sure thing. Hand over your new position to your girlfriend because she really deserves it? Absolutely. Be cool when she breaks Mm. up with you because it's the right thing to do, even if it sucks? Will do. You know, our boy is sad, but he's doing the right thing, and I just love him so much. He's a good one, and it's so rare to find a good one in any century, <laughs> like in any time period. So, yeah, I completely agree. Shout out, Utrid. Get ready to shame none, the worst character of the episode with us. It doesn't matter if you're a Saxon or a Dane. Anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of this episode. So, Alyssa, I, again, it, we have no shortage But I think it's becoming harder and harder to pick just who was, like, a real dirtbag. It is. It's really, like, I feel like we killed off a lot of our dirtbags, which is helpful. But, like, honestly, (laughs) for me, with this one, like, he wasn't even in the episodes. This feels like a bit of a cheat. But, like, what is Athelhelm up to? Like, ever Mm. since Edward sent him away, he's been radio silent. So I feel like he's, like, really stirring up some shit in Wessex, and I'm very nervous about it. Plus, like... You know he's the person that Aleswith was worrying about regard- regarding Athelstan's safety. Like, you know that guy has zero qualms with murdering a child. So even Absolutely. though we didn't see his sour face, Athelhelm is still my turd of this episode. Yeah, the the kind of unknown of what he's up to is keeping me up at night because yeah. that dude is, he's clever. And um, there's a power vacuum in Wessex right now, so I don't want to see him fill it. Uh, I think for me, you know, obviously, I just want someone to kill Erdwolf. Like, sure. he is, he's a poor man's Ethelred, and honestly, that's the worst insult I can throw at anyone ever. Like, I, I would prefer Ethelred over Erdwolf at this point, because at least, you know, Ethelred was like a messy queen who I could, like, you know, appreciate the drama of. Um, I think, you know, he's obviously, he's outlived his usefulness. Um, he's such a you know, a jerk when it comes to his sister. He's killed a king. I just don't see the point of him existing anymore. So, yeah, that's fair. Karma, do your thing. <laughs> that's fair. Also, like, the whole time we're dealing with him, it just kind of makes me miss Athelwald because I feel like they're both, mm. like, 
similar schemers. Like they're like right on the cusp of power, but they all, you know, their bad decisions really keep them from grabbing it. So I I miss our uh, one-eyed enemy this season because I feel like... He was like so much better at it, He though, was so much better was. at it than Eared Wolf. At so least I feel it like, was entertaining. Right. So, yeah, maybe he'll be our, our sling from the grave. <laughs> I mean, okay. Pigs are flying because we are we liking Ellswick and we are missing Ethelwald. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what the fuck is happening in this quarantine? <laughs> No character is safe on The Last Kingdom, but some seem to be flirting with death more than others. Ninth century life was fleeting and barbaric, but that doesn't mean we can't have some fun with it. So get ready to place your bets on who's headed for Valhalla soon, because this is the Viking death pool. <sighs> okay, guys. Uh, again, uh, just like, the, you know, are trying to pick out the, the worst turd, um, I think it's hard to kind of see who might be on the chopping block. Obviously, Erdwolf feels like, you know, he's in immediate danger. Um, No one else on the show kind of jumps out to me as like, oh, their head might be on the chopping block, but Mm. I'm not going to let The Last Kingdom catch me sleeping. I refuse (laughs) to feel comfortable in the lifespan of any of our faves right now. Um, I think Brita might be in danger uh, just because she seems kind of fueled by this need for vengeance, and that's never a signal that your survival odds are are good on the show. So um, I hope I'm wrong and that, you know, the Grim Reaper is coming for Airwolf instead. Yeah. Yeah, we're like, you know, we're definitely a calm before the storm scenario here. You know, Athelflaed and Edward have worked out their issues somewhat and have, you know, they've kind of united their kingdom. So there isn't an imminent clash between, like, Wessex and Mercia that could have had a real body count. Um However, you know, the Danes are coming. Brita's out for blood. I'm worried that if she can't get to Uhtred physically, she will get to someone close to him and wound him emotionally. So I'm, like, worried about Citric or Osforth. I do not like thinking this way. (gasps) but like, (laughs) I know. I don't like it. But, like, I don't know. I feel like a battlefield death of one of his homies could be a real blow if she can't take him down herself. Or young Uhtred, who was going back oh, to no. Wessex as we speak. No. Do you think Ooh. she would? Do, do you think she's that far gone that she would kill his son? Okay, I literally did not have that thought until now, but now I'm very afraid for young Uhtred, and I feel like he needs uh. to be in the death conversation. Oh, okay, it's young Wait, Uhtred. Has she met him though? Like, does she know? She doesn't know him. She knows of him. She knows that he has a. I don't know. It, again, yeah. Here's the thing. I didn't think Siora would recognize young Uhtred, so That's I don't true. know. Um, what the, oh. yeah, I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> What's the very beginning have been like? <laughs> oh, no. Yikes. Okay. okay. Yikes. Now, this is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show, but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst. It's 2020. The world is on fire. Honestly, we deserve this. So this is the time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this week. So let's dust off all of that Viking, like, bad right. juju. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into the good stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, our baptism supposed to be sexy because this mm. baptism was sexy. Like Uhtred looks like he's ready to preach the good word of the body to his flock. And I would really like to find out how to become a member. 
Ayo, agreed. Um, I've seen, I've grown up in a Southern Christian household. I've seen some baptisms. Never anything like that. like that. Yep, (laughs) same. Um, (laughs) If they look like that, I would have paid more attention. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I assumed, you know, you'd be paying tribute to Uhtred's backside in a very respectful manner this time. Mm. So, Alyssa, I will cover the other Viking warlord that should be praised, um, Sigtrigger, because I've given him a lot of love this episode, so, like, why the hell not? Yeah, just I get it. it on. Yeah. Um, he's he's young. He's got his whole life ahead of him. He's an excellent battle strategist, a fine pillager. Everything you um, look for in a man. <laughs> everything you look for in a man in the ninth century. Uh, plus, he really kind of gets into the pre-battle hype huddles that the Vikings like to do. Mm-hmm. Um like there's there's a couple of times where it's like he's he's either celebrating a victory or he's like kind of you know bolstering up his men and he's got the tongue sticking out the screaming the crazy eyes it kind of reminds me of like a youthful much hotter viking version of gene simmons from Kiss. oh my god and yeah. um i'm i'm cool with being his groupie for now like well, I'm there down. you go <laughs> Now, since we recorded our previous seasons, the world has changed a little bit. Life has ground to a halt, and we're just doing our best not to lose our minds in quarantine. So goodbye, Geek Out, and welcome to Self-Care Corner, where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and doing to stave off the seemingly endless alone time. Okay. <laughs> this is also a section that's getting hard. It's really hard. I'm just, like, trying to, you know, yeah, it's a if lot. If anything, it's, re- it's reminding me that I'm having a hard time finding things to live for. Right. Like, this is not what the self-care corner originally was meant to do. It was meant Mm. to, like, inspire and comfort. Um, Hopefully it is still comforting everyone else. But for me, it's just like, (laughs) dang, what was I looking forward to this week? What was I really enjoying? I don't know. What what Um, is the passage of time anymore? It doesn't make any (laughs) sense. What is the purpose of living? Who yes. knows? Yeah. Um, I think uh, one thing that I always, like, really find joy in when when they come up are these Some Good News episodes that John Krasinski yes. does. They're so good. Um, they're really sweet. It's so, it's so simple. I mean, he's just aggregating good news. But he's got, you know, he's got these connections with people. So he's able to make really cool things happen for people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you've, if you've seen some episodes, he... He hosted, like, a prom, and Billie Eilish, like, sang a bit for it. Um, he did a Hamilton reunion, which, you know, really Amazing. spoke to me. I really enjoyed that. Um, and he just did a—he he married this couple who were big Office fans, and he got a bunch of the cast to come on virtually and, like, do the dance, you know, that they do It was really, um, do it was really sweet, yeah. It's really—it's really thoughtful, um, you know— simple ways to kind of like make a difference and and bring joy to people and he doesn't have to be doing that you know I think Mm -hmm. I think it's I I like really appreciate and I think it's a wonderful thing what celebrities give of you know their their money and their time but it it would be easier just to you know write a check somewhere and and be like I'm helping Um, I think it is it's difficult to you know, kind of every week, like find things like we've been trying to do with the self-care corner, find things to like keep us inspired and keep us joyful. And he's doing that on a really big scale. Um, Yeah, it's just it's like it's so nice. It's nice when people do nice things for other people. Um, And it's also nice to like be, 
you know, reassured that our standing of John Krasinski and Emily Blunt as um, the justified. world's best couple yeah. is justified. Yeah. yeah. I knew it all along, but now <laughs> we have physical proof. There you go. Well, I am happy to report that my tomato plant has rallied and I think it's going to make it. Yes. So, you know, Ugh, good news from the garden. Prayers. Um, thoughts and but, prayers for going thoughts up. And th- thoughts and prayers for my cherry tomatoes. But um, <laughs> honestly, like, yeah, it's been really hard to, like, try new stuff and, like, you know, do whatever. So I've just been, like, rewatching mm-hmm. New Girl because if we need anything Ooh, right yes. now, it's my TV boyfriend, Nick Miller. And it's Nick just, Miller, Nick Miller. I feel like that show is really underrated. And I feel like, like, the core performances are so good and so funny and... It's just, it's like a balm to my soul to rewatch the early seasons of New Girl. I probably won't mm. go all the way through because, you know, as many shows do, it drops off a bit. But those first few seasons sure. are so good. Um, so I mean, it's been perfect. very comforting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a perfect it. quarantine yeah. binge. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. We're, we, we're, um, rewatching that as well. We kind of like switch between that and Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's so it's so funny because my mom actually started watching New Girl for the first time, um, literally like two weeks ago, and because I was just like, I've had I don't know if you've had a lot of people ask for like recommendations on what to watch. Oh yeah, all the time. Um, but but I have you know because that's kind of our job and what we do. And I was like, you know what, New Girl might be good. You know, she she likes like Gilmore Girls and those kinds of things. And um, and uh, she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And literally a couple days later, she's like, so I'm on season three now. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, that's how it happens with this show. It goes show. down it's so, so easy. Good. Yeah. yeah, it does. It's I so love, good. Also, I love the loft dynamic. I love it when they let Winston become a stone cold weirdo. It's uh, it's God, so good. Thank God they let Winston become a weirdo. He really comes into his own. It's perfect. Um, she loves Schmidt, obviously. But obviously. I have to say... <laughs> Is there a hotter, like, character on TV than Nick Miller in those first couple of seasons? Literally like, never. Best kiss of all time in season two. Like, best kiss of all time. I mean, I, that's something so that I'm willing good. to fight about is their first kiss. It's like, mm-hmm. it's the greatest television kiss of all time. So if you haven't, really if you haven't watched Such New Girl, romance. go YouTube the New Girl first kiss between Nick and Jess, and then you'll have to watch the whole show. Yeah, uh, warning, like you will have to watch the whole show. (laughs) Yes, also that one clip on repeat for a while. Oof. All right, guys, if you want to hear more of our bullshitting, check us out on Twitter or over at Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a nice review wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, destiny is all bitches. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 